I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Blackface Outrage. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio and Fox 5 TV, free of charge on my website, lisaevers.com. And now you can subscribe to our Street Soldiers podcast on iTunes. In this episode, we're talking about the blackface outrage and asking, is it 2019 or is it 1819? From the now notorious Gucci blackface sweater to the controversy over the Virginia governor's blackface yearbook photo, it's clear there's a lot of ignorance and insensitivity about this racist and offensive practice. Let's find out what it all means with our panel. Joining me is Dr. Mark Christian. He's the chair of the Department of Africana Studies at Lehman College at the City University of New York. He's also an author of a number of books. Dr. Christian, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Also with us, uh, fresh off a plane from Europe or somewhere else around the world, <laughs> Melissa Catrice Vaughn. She is the U.S. Public Relations Manager for the fashion line D Squared. Melissa, great to have you with thank us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Anthony Tall. He's the president and CEO of the Aspire Sports Group. He's a sports attorney. He's also a TV commentator. Anthony, great to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. Dr. Christian, first of all, explain to us, so everybody's on the same page, what exactly is blackface and where did this get started? Well, if you Google, there's different definitions, but I would say the, the most important definition to understand is that it's historically based in the United States around the 1820s. And blackface would be deemed as a, a caricature using uh, cork used to blacken up the face to denigrate the humanity of uh, people of African heritage within the southern states at that time. Um, it would be deemed um, problematic, you know, because it doesn't, um, it's a caricature of the African humanity and not uh, a true depiction of the, the vitality. And, and we're going to talk about that and what it, what it was used to depict as well as in the roles. Melissa, the, one of the biggest controversies involving blackface involved this Gucci sweater. Um, you are right in the middle of it with the fashion world. Are people really talking about these things like that and the, you know, some, some of the other examples that we've seen recently? Um, absolutely. I think people are talking about it because, um, as we know, we love Gucci. So I think that Prada had an incident a little bit ago with a monkey that looked very blackface, um, you know, just a doll in the store. And then Montclair had a jacket. Katy Perry had a shoe um, and then Gucci sweater rolled out. And it, you know, I think that, of course, we shop everything, but Gucci is near and dear to our hearts. And then having Dapper Dan be such a part of it um, was something that made people really take attention to it. So, yes, people are definitely taking um, a, a moment and saying, like, actually, what is going on with this? And, and really, and it's something that's just came up even with all the shows and everything that you've been at. Um, yes, I think so. During that time, um, you could see a lot of press, um, especially in Italy. For instance, Prada like released statements right before their show um, talking about what changes that they were going to make. Um, things like this have happened in the past. And I think one thing that I can say in defense of fashion is that these brands are saying that they're, they're going to make actual changes where these things years ago were just somewhat swept under the rug. 
So there is a little bit of a, more a, an, an awakening or yes. more consciousness about it. Anthony Tall, when you when you saw that Gucci sweater, what did you what did you think? Well, you know, obviously I was offended, but I think it's also important to point out, and and and, and doctor and the doctor may know a little bit more about this, is that we're not ashamed of being black. You know, there's a lot of pride in the color of our skin, a lot of pride in of our course. heritage. And I think that gets confused when we talk about blackface. But what it does is you, it takes us back and harkens us back to an era where we were buffooned and where we were caricatured. So I just think that's important. But when I seen the sweater, um, like I said, I was offended just because, like I said, it goes back to this 1930s, 1920s buffoonery. Um, there was a movie written, uh, it was a movie about the KKK in around 1921, and that was all of the characters, all the white characters used blackface and demonized black people. But I do think that it's very important that we point out that this is, has nothing to do with black skin being, you know, something that we should be ashamed of, because I do think that gets kind of confused with the ideal of blackface. All right, Dr. Christian, in, ter in terms of the blackface concept, the people, and, and tell me true or false, because, you know, we've been reading up on this and I've been looking looking into this, too. It was at a time when black, ac black actors, African-Americans, were not allowed to be on the same stage as whites, that they would put, the white actors would put on this black face to portray black characters in these plays and in these shows, and that oftentimes the black characters, or, or all the time, I guess, they were portrayed in a very negative, very... Uh, stereo ne negative stereotypical type of way as being lazy as being hypersexualized as being um, ignorant all sorts of all sorts of things and they were basically the the butt of the jokes of the white actors yeah but this this you, you've jumped ahead a century because really at the the heart of this the the, the origins of this goes back to um, a, a guy called Thomas uh, D rice who who was known as the father of minstrelsy so we have to go back to vaudeville before we get into cinema. Okay. Um, Anthony mentioned the film. It's actually 1915, and it's D.W. Griffiths, and it's Birth of a Nation, which was the white actors putting on the black face. Again, to distort the humanity of people of African heritage. That film was also lauded in the uh, praised by the President Wil uh, Woodrow Wilson in the White House and showed and, and, you know, exemplified as a great piece of art. We have to go back, though, to the 1800s to find the origins of blackface. And when you enslave uh, a people, you, you have to um, justify that enslavement. And one of the ways to justify is to take away their humanity. And this was done by the vaudeville. The actual um, Thomas, uh, the, the, there was a Zip Coon was one of the characters, which was a, a negative uh, caricature of a black free person. So the freed African-Americans during this era were also targeted and dehumanized. So and you're basically saying this was, are you, are you saying that this was used as a way, a, a cultural way to justify the slavery? To justify the enslavement, to justify segregation, to justify, well, Jim Crow is segregation. And the, the name Jim Crow comes from a vaudeville song. That's right. Jump Jim Crow by Thomas D. Rice. Mm -hmm. See, and that came out in, uh, it, was, it was written in 1828 and it became very uh, popular in the 1830s. And, you know, we're 35 years away from the uh, 1865 um, 13th Amendment, which abolished enslavement. So you, you, the, the popular culture of the time, which was also for the masses, right. was to 
keep blacks in their place. And, all right, we're going to take a short break. Okay. We'll pick up with that, Anthony, when we come back. This mm-hmm. is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, yo, this is Pat Post with Lisa Evers. Put your thinking caps on. Street Soldiers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the blackface outrage and asking, is it 2019 or 1819? Joining me for this conversation is Dr. Mark Christian. He's the chair of the Department of Africana Studies at Lehman College in the City University of New York. He's also an author. Dr. Christian, great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Also with us is Melissa Catrice Vaughn. She's a U.S. Public Relations Manager, the U.S. Public Relations Manager for the fashion line that Top Fashion Line D Squared 2. Melissa, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Anthony Tall. He's the president and CEO of Aspire Sports Group. He's a sports attorney as well as a TV commentator. Anthony, when you hear about how blackface was used, a lot of people aren't taught that in school. They're not. They're not. And and what's more important is like the topic is are we 18, 19 or, or, or whatever or or 2019 or 1919, one of the things you need to remember is when when Dr. Christian talks about blackface and we talks about the origin of it and then a birth of a nation, that movie, you know, just the over-sexualization of that movie was this whole fear of the black man chasing the white woman and, and him kind of being around the same time you have a King Kong movie where, you know, the white man comes and saves. So all of that persists. And why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because it's easier for a police officer to see a young black man and shoot him down if all of your all of your photos in your mind or all of your thought processes is that this is less than a human or that you have to protect someone in these fears and these anxieties study and that the study. stereotype these negative yes. stereotypes these have been reinforced are, are the reinforced dehumanization over and over absolutely the dehumanization yes. let me come back to Melissa let me bring it back to this the, the Gucci sweater because that was the that was one of the biggest things the one of the questions I kept asking, and one of the reasons we were so excited to have you on the show because you're in this world, is how does a design at that level of a brand, you know, a high brand, high level brand like Gucci or luxury brand, how does a design like that come into existence? Does somebody walk into the office and go to the president, "Hey, I got this idea. Here's a sketch. This is what it is," or take us through that process? I mean, ultimately, there's a team of, you'll have a creative director of a fashion house. So, you know, at Gucci, it's Alessandro. And so he'll have a team under him. So they incorporate all of these different ideas and concepts. And then you actually have people who are physically making the products, who are sketching the products. And it, it's almost like, you know, a hierarchy and then comes down from there. Um, I think, and we were talking about it a bit before the show, that what the issue is is that the right people aren't in the room. Mm -hmm. So if you have, I mean, and all design teams are different. Um, You know, at D Squared, it's Dean and Dan who run, you know, all of the major decisions, and then there's a team under them. So with a lot of, I mean, and that's just at D Squared. I can't say exactly how Gucci is ran. I'm just giving you an example of how most houses are ran. So ultimately... I think the issue is is that there's not enough people who would like put up a red flag and say this might be an issue for someone and not understand what it would represent. Right. And I think that's the biggest issue. And if I can say and this might be a bit controversial. It's okay. We love it. The Gucci sweater didn't bother me so much. I'll tell you why. Just because I felt like. If you look at what Prada did and what Montclair did, it was like very, very, it was blackface to a T. I think there's also a level of where we are right now 
with everything in the world that especially at some point fashion was just meant to be an expression um like let's say if that would have been a portion of dapper dan's line then i think that the outrage should would have been even greater but this is from gucci's main line so i think there's also a level of education that you know we we're looking at as just as a general consumer but there's also levels to to these like fashion like what's put out so it didn't actually... And an international brand, too. I think there's that right. element, too, right? Right. And, I mean, perception is everything. As how, we percep- how we perceive things here in America may not be perceived the same way in, let's say, Italy, where these, these brands actually are, or in Paris, where these brands are actually headquartered. It's different globally. However, as I always say, even to my own colleagues, America is first. So if there's an issue in America, that's... Where it that's the where you need to pay attention. So so first. do you do you feel now with Gucci that there do you f- feel that that the right people are in the room? You said you weren't personally offended by it, but people that say, hey, you might want to rethink this, or you, this could be misinterpreted this way. I think that in Black culture in general, that like if you have to ask, even like my niece who's seven, I'd say like, what brands do you know? I ask her because just to see, and she right. she knows Louis Vuitton, she knows Gucci. We as a black community have supported these brands for years and we are most loyal to these two, let's say, specific brands. Having Dapper Dan involved, they had no choice but to like call to action immediately and they made him, they came to Harlem. They didn't just appoint people in a back room, like they physically came to Harlem to sit with him and figure out what they were going to do. Um, so I think that it was extremely important to base the way that they managed it differently than, let's say, Prada, most recently Burberry, you know, there there was like an actual... And they showed con- a commitment to the community, Absolutely. basically, is what it is. Dr. Christian, in, in terms of the, in, in terms of uh, what Melissa brought up about the, inter- this, the international yeah. brand and how much do people know about, uh, you know, African-American history or even just American, I would say Amer- it's American right. history. Mm-hmm. Well, what about that internationally? Yeah. I, I, tell us I mean, about that. Well, I was born and raised in Liverpool, England, so I, I grew up in England. And there was a show over there from ran from 1958 to 78 called The Black and White Minstrel Show. It was actually a minstrel show on BBC. The Black and White Minstrel Show it ran from 1958 to 1978 in, in England across the British, uh, you know, society. And it was very popular at one time. 21 million people tuned in, and they used the old songs from the South, the minstrelsy. So it's international. Racism is is very international. It's, it's, and, it's yeah, and, and, and so you so you're saying that somebody, an educated person, would have to have some kind of awareness of this. You'd have to be. Um, you know, really, really ignorant not to know about racism and blackface and, and the... Uh, and, and what it represents. And what it represents. You know, the, the distortion of the black humanity is just profoundly obvious. You know, you'd have to be very ignorant not to know, you know. Anthony, in, term, in terms of the, the corporate response mm-hmm. with, the, with the Gucci sweater, what did you think about that? As a, as a business person, you know, 
Well, I don't think it was swift enough, and I don't think it was was uh, profound enough. But I, I did want to talk about a couple of things that Dr. Christian just touched upon, and and that is the fact the ideal. And I went to school in Italy for a year. Um, the ideal that this is not an international problem where we need more people who understand in the room. I think someone who's there knows exactly what they're doing. You don't put a you don't you wouldn't put a Jewish star there. You you know you wouldn't put a swastika there. They know exactly what they're doing. And uh, and remember, these are the people who created these ideals. Not I'm not talking about them specifically, but they know the history of these cultural ideas. Legacy. The cultural legacy is there. So I think that's important. And um, as a sports agent, as someone who deals with athletes, and we were talking about this, you know, uh, these stereotypes as to athletes being dumb and stupid are all a part of this legacy and history. So these things are also blimmingly in our mind. They affect us every day. What about, Melissa, what about the shock factor? Because fashion, I mean, just, you know, as I understand it, is one of the purposes is to get people to look at, look at things in a different way, to take an object, take something that might be used as this piece of clothing, and now it's a different piece of clothing, or take inspiration from, from different things. What part of this, you know, from, is, is just shock value? I mean, to clarify even what I said earlier, I do think that it is an international level, and it is, it is easily viewed, you know, and it affects the world but we as a culture here in the states are the ones who are going to make these people say something if a couple if a small group in italy had something to say and it didn't really reach mainstream then they're going to then prada's going to make a black face t-shirt to go with you know the jacket or whatever else you know what i'm saying so um but on the flip side i do th agree with you as far as the stream of these things happening the way they do is a culture shock. It's also PR. So regardless, people are still now talking about the brand in a sense. So it was like, you know, we're seeing these things happen. So back any to publicity back. is good publicity? Is in that the sense. mantra? I think in a sense, um, you know, I, I would hate to say that we have to be, you know, a part of, you know, the uproar. But in a sense, these brands are doing this. And like you said, someone in the room knows. But they're still releasing the product, they're mass producing the product, um, and they're seeing how the response is going to be. I think that because the response has been so great, I mean, even with H&M, you know, last year with the shirt with the boy, right. calling it, it, you know, him a monkey or whatever the case was. I remember that. These yeah. brands are being called out to make a change and actually just sat on a panel at H&M. They just developed a diversity and inclusion department that's now chaired by a great, you know, young black African-American professional. And they've completely revamped and they've called in all the fashion people um, here in the city, whether it was PR, stylists, um, editors, and we had an open conversation. And I want to hear more about that. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, yo, 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 what up, what up? It's the infamous Mob Deep prodigy right here, you know what I mean? And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, you know what I mean? and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the blackface outrage. Is it 2019 or is it 1819? Joining me for this conversation, Dr. Mark Christian. He's the chair of the Department of Africana Studies at Lehman College with the City University of New York. He's also an author. Dr. Christian, great to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so Thank much. You. Also with us is Melissa Catrice Vaughn. She is the U.S. Public Relations Manager for D-Squared. 
top fashion brand. Melissa, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Also with us is Anthony Tall. He's the president and CEO of Aspire Sports Group. He's a sports attorney as well as a TV commentator. Anthony, great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Dr. Christian, in, in, in terms of the shock value, the when we talk about brand, you know, brands, brands have to promote themselves. You know, there's this philosophy that any attention is is good attention, regardless of what what causes it. But do you think that there's a positive from all this outrage that maybe people are actually learning about this and the history? I, I think it's good to have these conversations, but I'm concerned about the positive identity of black young young black people growing up, young black girls who have dark skin. You know, it's a, it's an issue. Uh, there's skin lightening creams in Jamaica, across the African continent. These are damaging our, our young uh, girls, young, young women, are being uh, very much um, distorted by these images. So I, I have a problem. I'm not PC 100% because I think with, with uh, creativity you need, you need to push the, push, push push the, the envelope. envelope. Right. However, there are certain things that I know. Certain lines you're not just going to cross. I, I, I right. don't think so. I don't think so. And what, what But do people even know that? But here's a question. Do people, Anthony, even know that there is a line there to cross? The Pew Research Group, which is one of the top research groups in the country, they found a third of Americans believe it is okay to wear blackface as part of a Halloween costume. There was a very famous television host who lost her show because she didn't see any problem with wearing blackface on, on Halloween, Megyn Kelly. Kelly. Right. So it, it's, do people even know, you know that, the, that that line is there? I, well, I think at this point, it's kind of, you, 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 it's just something that's in us, that's in this culture, in American history and in culture where this, this racial things are there. So I do think they know. I think they know, but I think there's a part of them that may be so like privileged or so um, so insensitive removed. to the ideal or so removed right. that they're kind of like, oh, it's not really anything wrong with this. So, but it can be highly offensive to 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 African Americans. So yeah, I do think they know. I mean, you know, there's, uh, and I'll just give you an example. Of this really quick. Um, my godson was at school and he's only seven, and he's he plays basketball. And the other kids were playing against some these other young kids and they're white kids. And they're about the same age. And they said, we're beating up on him like we beat his ancestors. I mean, so those type of things. What? Yeah. So these type of things are taught at seven years old. These type of things are taught and passed down and just in us. And we have to work on these things. Can I add you something? Oh, yes. No, I, I don't like the, the internalization as well of self-hatred. You know, I mean, you, you know, we're talking about blackface. Do you, you are aware that there were black vaudeville stars who put on blackface even though they were black individuals. Billy Cassans and uh, sure. Bert Williams. They, this is going back into the 19th century, but then you go further into film and then you see it in film. But these distortions, a, a black man putting on blackface is... Um, and one of them was quoted in one of the one of the one of the accounts that I read that he said he had to eat 
This he, was the only way. This is, what this is the this only is, way he could be paid as is, an actor. But I think the main point you're talking about is the is the is the dehumanization. Right. Yeah. That that's the key because that and the, the dehumanization yeah. in the society as a whole because that's the thing that is the gateway yeah. to all of these other these other ills. Yes. Listen, in terms of the fashion industry, because the fashion industry, you know, it, it, like many industries, there's there, it's it's its own world and it's its own set, sets of values. But do you think that some of these big fashion houses you named, you know, the Gucci, Prada. Montclair, you know, even H, even H and M, the uh, the store brand, that they they have seen in recent years this this great awakening in the United States, and also the the social consciousness uh, coming from the African American community, and they're like, wow, that's so hot, that's so trendy. Our big artists, our big stars, our big athletes, mm -hmm. all African American, and this this is like their they they figured this is their way of of pushing back, or this is their way of capitalizing on that, or responding to that. I think that there is a level of these brands testing the waters to see how far they can get away with it. At the end of the day, and this is a bold and biased and the just it's, it is opinion. I mean, black culture pushes all things. Mm -hmm. So these brands make money, design. You know, I my startup in fashion was in streetwear, which was, you know, based on s sneakers and pairing it with cool, expensive luxury. There was never a day in time you would think many years ago that Chanel or Louis Vuitton would be doing a sneaker. So what does that tell you? We we lead the conversation. Mm -hmm. That's true. So even though these diversity and inclusion, quote unquote, departments or panels may have been happening in the past, they're now very important because you can't say that your inspiration doesn't come from what you see in black culture. So how can you take and be inspired by us but not support how we feel in these instances so i can truthfully say you know i was and i mentioned it you know before the break that i was you know i wasn't always really a big shopper at h&m but i get a basic or something from there but once that happened i said i will not shop there anymore so dollars were pulled if if only for 30 days let's say but now i was you know it made me think to, you know, I will support H&M again because they made a change that I was able to physically see and touch. They responded. They responded by actually creating a department of people that I actually know. And so they're able to share to me, like, what they physically are going That's to do. That's what I want to ask you because money, you know, the phrase, money, the cliche, money makes the world go round. But do you think Gucci suffered as a result financially no. from this or not really? Not really. I think that what I admired about Gucci was... Again, they had their CEO come to Harlem. So they are not just, you know, again, there's It wasn't just, hey, come here to the headquarters in right. Italy right. and we're going to have a meeting. Right. They you came, can sit down like a beggar. They came and, to Harlem. Right. They came to see Dapper Dan, who they have a partnership with, which we already know the history of that and how, you know, these brands were taking from his design aesthetic and not crediting him. And then they said, Dapper Dan then was, you know, reporting on his social media, like, this is what Gucci is going to do. And they talked about creating this divers diversity and inclusion, you know, um, department within. Then how they were going to empower students in their, you know, quote unquote, university grant scholarships for people to be employed, you know, who have been brought up that are diverse. It won't just be a group of Italians in Italy, you know. Right, all from the same background, same type of right. culture. So they, they actually spelled out what they were going to do, 
And then which what the last thing that I admired the most was that Dapper Dan said, we're going to have a further conversation in Harlem with the community to see how you guys feel about the changes that we said we were going to implement. And see and see what the response is, which, which is which is a great idea. Anthony, what about the you're the money guy because you negotiate these these multimillion dollar contracts for ballplayers. Mm -hmm. What about the, the money? What are you a little skeptical about some of this? Well, in terms of in about the money issue involved in it or that it's, it could affect profits might be the real motive? Well, I think that's it. You know, Bob Seger used to say money doesn't talk. It screams obscenities at you. So, you know, um, whenever you start talking about the bottom line, things things turn quickly. I mean, you know, we've seen it even in the South during the, the bus boycotts. You know, those bus, when, once that money started going, black people start riding the bus. You know, they changed the law pretty, pretty quickly. So um, and I just want to say, so I agree with what she's saying, even though if, even if, but if that's what it takes. And if that's the way that we're going to get change, and if then black people or people who are offended by this, not just black people, are able to come back and say, yeah, I'll support the brand now because you've made some positive changes. I don't find anything wrong with that. And, and, and I just want to touch on one, one other thing about, you know, the athletes nowadays. You have to give them credit. I mean, LeBron James, we all know the famous quote from Michael Jordan, you know, uh, Republicans buy sneakers, too. And him and Tiger Woods being so kind of toast. Uh, bland, you know, but you, LeBron James, he's like, hey, this is my league, you know, I want to take a knee, if I want to support Kaepernick, I will do it. If I want to support a black cause, I will do it, and the league supports him, and I like that, and that's about the money, too. And the way the, the NBA did. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Yeah. Christian, do we, you know, we talk about African-American studies, Africana studies, um, African-American history, shouldn't it just be American history and everybody should know this? Everybody should know this, but how, how many people do? Uh, I'll give you a, an American history uh, question. How many of you knew that the first 12 presidents of the United States all were all slaveholders? I did, but yeah. <laughs> it made me. It made I, me think about that. A lot that. of people don't know no, that. <laughs> when I, I mean, I went to Catholic school growing up. I remember my history books. They yeah. were terrible. When I when I was yeah. an adult, I think back about what I learned about American history, right. and it was terrible. Exactly. So at the heart of this is the distorted history also. I mean, if we're going to get rid of racism, we have to really be truthful about the past. And the past is the origins of the United States is based on racism. You know, the genocide of the American Indian is a, is a discussion that needs to be Absolutely. said. The, the enslavement of African Americans for 250 years and then 100 years of segregation and then 50 years of trying to and the mass incarceration for the last 30 years. Mass yes. incarceration ingrained into the 13th Amendment. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, 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 if we're going to educate, we have to educate properly. And right now, the public schools and the university system still doesn't have a holistic education approach to it. Approach There's to and, and let's not, look at all the women that are not. Where exactly. are the women? Exactly. You read these books, and it's like there had to have been women. Absolutely. Yes, many, right. You know, many, there had to be women. Many women. In, in there women. as well. I had to get there. Yes. Anyway, uh, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, this is Shaggy, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Shug it up. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the blackface outrage. Is it 2019 or 1819? Joining me for this conversation is Dr. Mark Christian. He's the chair of the Department of Africana Studies at Lehman College with the City University of New York. He's also an author. 
author. Dr. Christian, great to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Also with us is Velissa Catrice Vaughn. She's the U.S. Public Relations Manager for D Squared, the top luxury fashion line. Melissa, great to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Also with us is Anthony Tall. He's the president and CEO of Aspire Sports Group. He's a sports attorney and also a TV commentator. Anthony, great to have you with us. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. We saw recently the governor of Virginia coming under tremendous fire for his medical school yearbook picture in blackface. And uh, there have been a lot of examinations of yearbooks since that came out. USA Today showed uh, they found many, many yearbook photos of people in blackface. They found one of their own uh, top executives in that situation as well. So do people, should people get forgiven for what happened in the past? Should they be outed on it? What do you think, what do you think as you look at that, Anthony? Well, from I, your I, management legal yeah, perspective. From a, from, a, from a legal perspective and as someone who uh, was a criminal defense attorney before becoming a sports agent for 15 years. Uh, um, I'm, I'm always for someone getting a second chance, particularly if it's something they did 30, 40 years ago. I don't think someone's career should be judged by the worst part of them or by the sum of the worst thing or the worst thing they could have done. I just don't think that's fair. Uh, I don't know if outing it and letting the, the general public, voting public, know about it, how that will affect. So I'm all for being aired. You think he should be like, even, even though it's like, it's the South, Virginia, his state, people are still driving mm -hmm. around with Confederate flags? I think he should, you be see given, Confederate I flags? Think he should be given a chance to atone. He says it was years ago. Um, and uh, let the people decide that. Let, let, the, let people, the public let decide. Melissa, what do you think that? about that? I think that I believe in second chances, but I do think in all these campaign scenarios, we see these dirty things aired out mm -hmm. for, you know, not just to say, okay, you were against this, you know, 30 years ago, but they're also used, you know, against these people for a better advantage for someone else. So I think we have to think of the motive of, as to why it's brought forth. However, I think it's all about, as we were talking about in this entire segment, the response. You know, what is the actual response? And then, you know, it gives the public a, a moment to make the decision on how and, they want Okay, but let me, it. and Dr. Christian, because mm -hmm. you, you're the historian here, yeah. there, there's also, there's there's a certain parallel, too, with, uh, with the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Behavior towards women that was very common 20 years ago, 25 years ago, is totally unacceptable, and rightly so, Correct. today. Mm -hmm. Is this something of the, uh, do you see a similar parallel here, that we're looking at these incidents from the past where they, they would think black was a joke uh -huh. being unaware of it and obviously they should know better or well, do you think they should have known better all along something like that well he, he should have known better but I, I also believe in second chances also I mean all human beings are flawed that's right you now that's the that's the reality of humanity however I would uh, judge the guy on his policies what does he do oh, going good point. forward? Because yeah. 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 that's the main thing. And who does he have around him right. to get back? Have, how, how diverse is his uh, team? His, his team, right? Are the women in power in his team? Are the black women in power? And what is he actually doing for black people within the state of Virginia? And we have a and we have a tendency in this country to overcorrect and yeah, overpenalize. Exactly. Exactly. And and uh, you that's know in good. his country. Uh, in his, well, in the UK, they have a right to forgive. In America, if something is put on the internet and they remove things off of you from the internet after a certain amount of years. In America, if you did something bad, it's there forever. I mean, so shit, something you did at 18 
Should you have to be telling your kids that at 48, 58, 68? So these are the issues that we're dealing with. But what we do have a problem in this country, and what I'm getting back to, is this over-penalization. And who, do that affect, who does that affect the most? You know, we might say, oh, it's going to affect the governor right now. Black but it's going to affect black people, brown people, and women when it all comes back around. And, and the people, right. So the, you must judge this guy on his policies going Absolutely. Forward. So all the people, would you say that the same for, for other people that have their... It depends. It's, you have to go case by case. Yeah, case and depending on what their ro their life has been and like and what their and what role, done, role yeah. is like. Correct. Yeah. But, but listen, in, ter in terms of the fashion thing, we've seen some extreme examples, like the Burberry, uh, the hoodie noose, yes. and, and some of these other things, going back to the H&M, the, the boy, you know, the T-shirt. But the our fashion, our fashion lines and the fashion business understanding this in a different way or is this just something that's going to be like well this year we okay right now we know we have to have diversity and inclusion in these programs or do you think this is really a sea a, a sea change into into bringing them you know into 2019 i think that we're going to see actual change because people are actually trying to hold them accountable the noose was obviously detrimental and it affected black people but the noose affects all types of people i mean suicide you know, diversity and inclusion is not just about black people. So let's understand that, too. It's about, you know, the LGBT community. It's about women. It's about anyone who can feel affected by a cause or something, you know, that, you know, could be found offensive. So diversity and inclusion obviously starts with us, in a sense, but it, it does have to span further than that. So I think that we are in a time where, you know, you have to respect your brother. You know, you have to respect the people around you. So again, the noose was extreme. And I remember seeing the images from the show and everyone like in our little fashion community were like, hmm. And then we were like, well, good thing it wasn't a black model that had the noose sweatshirt on. But then we were like, but wait a minute, it's still a noose sweatshirt. Right. And right. Burberry has now, um, as of yesterday, done the same kind of format. So there's a, a true format that format that's happening with, okay, now they have a diversity and inclusion program happening. Now they're kind of bit a piece of what Gucci has instilled, and they've kind of took a little bit of what Prada did, and, they, you know, they've made their apologies. So these things weren't happening before. Before they would be like, okay, somebody was a little upset, they're still going to actually buy the product. So, you know, we have such again, like social media, we have these influencers that are aligned with these brands that you know, they're paid to be a partner and, you know, along with these brands. So you have to be aware of what you're doing because the influence is that fast. We're not going to the magazines to see fashion. We can see fashion instantly. Right. That's so true. And it can go, it can be global instantly. In, In minutes. Right. Exactly. That's a great point, Dr. Christian. Yeah, I have to respectfully disagree on the issue of diversity. We've had diversity now for about... 30 years solidly within within the uh, mainstream and within certainly within education the problem I've found with diversity is they di dilute the um, the race issue to the point where when you begin to articulate well where are the young black men in college somebody will point in well what about the LGBT and then someone else will point in well what about the disabled and then the discussion just peters away from the issue of race and the blatant reality of this discussion here is fundamentally on the historical nature of racism in America and how that has impacted mm -hmm. people of African heritage.
Right, so, no, I agree well, with that. I, I'm just I, I saying know, that, no, the, I know, I know. that the departments themselves have to now include all, you know, disabled. Absolute, absolute. She's saying structural, like ch like, structural oh, I changes. I know, like real structural changes, not, not a PR campaign. I, I know, see? Yeah, see what happens away. when you talk about that. But diversity. no, that's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> not to take away from the black issue. It is a black issue. It certainly is. Yeah. And we need to discuss the notion of diversity itself. What, do, what are we trying to, to achieve by it? Because uh, this is what I'm saying through 27 years in higher education teaching, diversity has been used to dilute the issue of race and racial discrimination in a very subtle, nuanced way. I can understand. Okay, I yeah, think we have yeah. to have a whole show about that yeah. because that's, that's a, a very deep. Show, but Let me bring you back point. to clothes and fashion and things <laughs> I, I can see on social media right. and TV. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's that's an excellent that's point, and th that is a, that, that would be okay. a great show like diversity because I know, and I, I think I understand what you're saying okay. because diversity a lot of times means we'll have one person yes, from one group, right. another yeah, person, yeah, yeah. like check the boxes, yes. and then now we're done, we've fulfilled our diversity. But it sounds from what Melissa's saying in terms of fashion, this is much more of a structural because mm -hmm. it's also also it's a different process mm -hmm. there's the creative part there's a manufacturing part Absolutely. there's a distribution the promotion it's yeah. it's like a whole different whole different thing and um anthony in in terms of what, what you see in sports mm -hmm. the, the some of these negative these negative stereotypes do they we see our black players are the the highest mm -hmm. highest paid but are others suffering because of these stereotypes or Some, do these stereotypes still exist? Somewhat. I, I mean, I think it's, it's went down a lot. Uh, you know, you know, um, uh, black athletes and, and, and what they carry with their culture, it trickles down into corporate America, into, uh, into suburban America. You know, there's a story of like 50 years ago where there's a little white kid, you know, dusting his hands and spitting on his bat and doing the, doing the same thing Jackie Robinson does. So, you know, I think that's the beauty of America, you know, that you, these athletes kind of, we kind of bring swag, in essence, to, to the game, and then the game trickles down into everyday culture. So I don't find anything wrong with that. I do feel as if the stereotypes of the, you know, um, of the athlete being, you know, not smart enough to, let's say, to play quarterback, I do think that has kind of went down a lot. You look at some high contracts with some of the new NFL players like uh, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, all quarterbacks. So that has went away, but there's still these underlying, underlining, you can talk to athletes like I do almost every day, whether it's a New York Giant I'm representing or anyone, they'll say, you know, that underneath there, those stereotypes are there. That's why there's no coaching and di there's no diversity that word again, in coaching or in, in the general management uh, positions, zero. I mean, not zero, but very low. So. Right, so there's, mm -hmm. there's still, obviously with everything, there's there's still a lot of progress to, to be, be made. made. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Valissa, if you were advising, well, you've been on the pan these the, these panels, what do, you, what do you say to them? Ultimately, I actually did say at the H&M panel, I said that we have to support one another. We need to have conversations amongst each other to figure out what we're willing to tolerate and then when these situations do happen because let's face it they're going to continue mm -hmm. we need to figure out how we can fix them ourselves first you know within the community and like how we can support one another so for instance for us with fashion you know um i was just appointed manager just a few months ago and congratulations thank you yeah. and one thing that i did was hire you know my new assistant is a young black boy from Baltimore. You know, like I want to make the changes and I want my inner circle to represent, you know, what I believe in. And that's not to say that I would not. I mean, I have my interns under me are one is Mexican, one is white, one is right. black. You know what I mean? But I 
prior to the boxes. But but it was so funny. I had a very huge fashion stylist come in. Um, I won't name drop, but very, very big. She represents one of the biggest hip-hop artists of all time. And she came in here and she said, whoa, it's brown in here. You know what I mean? So (laughs) that's good. That was me. And I said, you know, when we get to these positions of power, um, Lindsay People Wagner was in this on this panel. She's the new editor in chief of Teen Vogue. And she said the same thing. She's like, once I was appointed this role under, you know, Anna Winter at Vogue, you know, it's a lot more browner in here. So how can we be appointing and helping one another put each other in these positions so that our voices are actually heard because we're in the room. In the room is the These whole f- things won't slide as easy if you have to look across from me and say, like, is this okay? Like, you know better. So be so in the room will start to look more like in the real world. Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, we, li- and like we that. We charge the voice of fashion, music, culture, you know, sports. I'm a former athlete. You know, these things... I mean, are driven by black culture. So mm-hmm. we right. we need to be respected, rightfully so. And right down the line. Well, so I want to thank you all very much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Dr. Mark Christian, thank you so much. Great to have you with thank us. Thank you very much, Lisa. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Melissa Catrice Vaughn from uh, D Squared, thank, thank you so you much so for much being for with us. Me. Thank you. We appreciate it. And Anthony Tall, sports attorney, thank you so much for being with us. Loved it, Lisa. We thank really you. appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace.